You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. Remember, these podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. I'm so glad to be saved. I, I know you're glad to be saved, all of you that are born again. Isn't it good to be in a position of winning all the time? The Bible says we always try, but I know it doesn't look like it sometimes, but just because it doesn't look like you're winning doesn't mean that you are not. Now, I want you to tag a friend and let them know that we are live. And at the end of this teaching session, I'm going to answer any questions. I'll share your comments and your questions help us to fill in the gaps. Your questions are very important to us. I got my iPad here. You can send your questions in anytime during the teaching. And also at the end of the lesson, I want you to share it. Just push that share button and share this information so that the word can grow. You can also get the audio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And I believe they, you and us, all of us are going to be blessed today. And I'm so glad to have you with us today. I'm going to conclude a series a three-lesson series that I began a few sessions ago entitled Climbing Down the Ladder of Greatness. Climbing Down the Ladder to Greatness. I know know that we normally climb up the ladder, but we're learning that to go up in the kingdom begins with going down. Now, we're talking about humility. Humility is our theme. And I, you know, this this subject is so very, very important, but it's not uh, the, the kind of subject that people just rave about. You know, you know, I want to hear on humility. What's the preacher talking about. He's talking about humility. Well, who wants to hear something on humility? Well, let me give you a little analogy. If you offered a child uh, French fries and a hot dog, or you gave this child a choice between French fries and a hot dog or vegetables, which do you think the child would choose? Sure, the hot dog and the fries, but which is better for the child? Sure, the vegetables. And subjects like this are character building subjects. And even though it may not have all the pizzazz and all that, and you want to run around and, and shout about it, this is real strong food, healthy, nutritional food that will help you to grow and help you uh, to develop. Now, the reason why this series is so important, and and I'm going to deal with some other series along this line, is God spoke to me and gave me a prophetic word. He said that the next move of God will be in the area of character. I wrote it down in my journal. I want you to make a note of that. The next move of God, and I know you want to participate, the next move of God will be in the area of character. 
So this teaching on humility is a character builder. It, it, it's a, a character strength. You can't be a strong believer without having good character. And this is one of the building blocks of strong character, and that is humility. Now, in our first lesson, we wanted to define our term. We wanted to get on the same page. So we talked about what humility is not and what humility is. In our second lesson, we wanted to give you an example, and we said that Jesus Christ, and we spent the whole time talking about him, Jesus Christ is the perfect example of humility. Now, today, we're going to close this, this series out, and then we're going to jump into another character building uh, a series, but we want to close it out talking about the pathways to humility, the pathways to humility. How do I get there? How to achieve humility? How do I operate in humility? How do I walk in humility? So we're going to talk about the pathways of humility. Now, I want to begin this lesson by introducing by an introduction. And in my introduction, I want to talk about the rewards of humility. The Bible rewards of humility is found in Proverbs 22, verse 4. I want to read this verse, Proverbs 22, 4. You make a mental note of it. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. And then secondly, I'm going to read it in the NIV uh, the New International Version. And then thirdly, I'm going to read it in James Moffat's translation. Proverbs 22, 4. Let's look, let's introduce this lesson by talking about the rewards of humility. Proverbs 22, 4 in the New King James Version says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Riches, honor, life. Riches, honor, life. Riches, honor, life. Now, Proverbs 22, 4, same verse in the NIV translation says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches, honor, life. I'll read that to you again. This is the NIV translation. It says, humility is the fear of the Lord. So notice the NIV translation defines humility as the fear of the Lord. Then it tells us its wages, its rewards, humility's rewards. It, and the NIV says, riches honor, and life. Now, let's look for just a moment at the fear of the Lord. What does the word fear, but what does this phrase fear of the Lord mean? In simple terms, it means having a reverence or respect for God and his word. Having a reverence or respect for God, 
his presence, you desire his presence and his word. Now, realizing, having a respect for the presence of God, the presence of God, realizing that God is present with us and in the new covenant, he's present in us, it will impact our behavior. If we are uh, consciously aware that everywhere, anytime, every day, every hour, God, by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, is on the inside of us, he's present with us, that revelation, that insight, that consciousness, that awareness will, will impact in a positive way our behavior. Now, let's look at Moffat's translation, James Moffat's translation, Proverbs 20, 22, verse 4. It says, the humble and the reverent are rewarded with wealth. So Moffat uh, interprets it as wealth. Wealth, honor, and life. Wealth, honor, and life. So when we look at the rewards, Bible rewards of humility, we see a threefold reward. Riches, honor, and life. Riches, honor, and life. Now, let's define our terms. The word riches there means to become wealthy in money, lands, possessions, or influence. That's what the word riches mean in Proverbs 22, 4. I studied it out. I ran my concordance. I did my homework. And this word riches Moffat's translated wealth means to become wealthy in money, in lands, in possessions, or influence. The word honor, the second fold reward of humility is honor. It means to make weighty, to make weighty. It means to promote. So this word honor speaks to promotion. It speaks to significance, promotion, significance. And then the third reward is life. And this word actually means to keep alive in danger. It means to keep safe from injury, harm, or destruction. So this word life speaks to protection and long life. Now, based off these three words and how we've defined them, think about it. Riches, honor, and life are the things that most people spend the majority of their time trying to obtain. Now think about that for just a moment. Just think about that. What are people working so hard for? What are people spending most of their time, their energy, their efforts? 
what are people what are people trying to achieve? I submit to you that whether they be sinner or saint, whether they be a Christian or unsaved, people spend the most of their time trying to obtain riches, honor, and life. Now, the unfortunate reality that most people, including Christians, are trying to achieve these three things apart from God. You say, well, you, 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 uh, uh, do you attend church consistently? I'm not talking about a pandemic. Well, you know, I just don't have time. You know, I don't have time to attend church because I'm working. Uh, do you spend much time praying? Oh, no, I wish I could pray more, but I, I, I just can't, I can't put it in my schedule. Do you spend time, uh, uh, consistent, quality time, studying and meditating the Word? Oh, yeah, that's good. I want to, but I really don't have the time. You see, if you don't have time for the things of God, you don't have time for God. You don't have time for prayer. You don't have time for meditating in the Word. You don't have time for church. You are too busy. It simply means that you're trying to achieve these three things apart from God. And God tells us the secret. He says to us, he says, by the fear of the Lord, that is respect for his presence, respect and honor for his word, and humility. He's telling us how we can have everything, and it's so amazing. The very things that we're trying to get and gain and achieve apart from God, God is offering. And I didn't make it up. I read you the text in three translations. I did the homework to let you know what the words meant. Now, let's talk about pathways to humility. Pathways. Let's get right into these pathways to humility. Because this, the next move of God is going to be based on character. And, and, and humility is a building block of character. It is a character strength. Now, listen at this. I love the number seven. Number seven in Scripture speaks to completion. So a lot of times I will give you seven things or seven reasons or seven uh, categories. And what I'm attempting to do is give you a broad understanding of the concept or the principle or a broader understanding of it. So I'm going to list seven things or seven pathways to humility. And I want you to take a mental note. And I want you to notice that, that these seven things will either involve the mind or they will involve the attitude or they will involve the will or they will involve action. These seven things that I'm going to share with you will fall into one of these categories. The mind, the attitude, the will, or actions, our behaviors. So the first pathway 
to humility. Through humility. And, and humility, we're going to see, is your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's not God's responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. And the first pathway is knowledge. Accurate Bible-based knowledge. Knowledge is always the key. In fact, Proverbs 19, 2, Proverbs 19, verse 2, in the NIV translation says, desire without knowledge is not good. Desire without knowledge is not good. Desire for humility without knowledge is not good. Desire for the rewards of humility. The desire for riches without knowledge. The desire for honor without knowledge. The desire for life without knowledge is no good. You know, I um, th this is a principle that covers anything. Anything that you desire you will have to have accurate or Bible-based knowledge. Desire without knowledge is not good. And, you know, for these three lessons, it's not a long series, but these three lessons, I've given you some knowledge. We know what humility is not. We know what humility is. We, we, we've looked at Jesus. We see a classic, perfect example of humility. And now we're gaining some knowledge on how I walk in it. Well, I have to know, I have to have knowledge before I can walk in anything. And that's true of humility. The second pathway to humility is gratitude. Gratitude. Humble people are grateful people. Won't you say that after me? Humble people, humble people are grateful people. Won't you say that after me again? Humble people are grateful people. I want to give you uh, two proof texts for that. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 3 and verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 3 and 18 in the New Living Translation. And then we'll go to 1 Chronicles 29, 14. But let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 in the New American Standard Bible. Now listen what it says, and it's powerful. It says, he humbled you. Now God is speaking through Moses and he, he, God is talking to the children of Israel. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And God speaks this word to them. Now listen what God says to them. He, referring to God, humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which your which your fathers did not which you did not know nor did your fathers know that you might understand that man does not live by bread alone 
but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. I'm going to read that to you again. And as I read it to you, I want to explain something to you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, New American Standard Bible. He, God, humbled you. He's talking to the people of Israel that God humbled them. And he allowed them or let them be hungry. That in, in the wilderness. But he didn't just let them be hungry. He fed them with manna, which you, the people, did not know, nor did your fathers know. In other words, God gave them manna from heaven. They didn't know anything about it. They didn't create the manna. They didn't work for the manna. Uh, they didn't come up with the idea of the manna. They didn't know anything about manna. In fact, when the manna fall, they asked the question, what is this? They didn't even know what it was. But he, he sustained them through manna. Now, he says that he may, might, that he may might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, now, if you if, if you are a student of the word, you, you remember in the wilderness temptation, uh, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8, uh, 3 when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Remember, Satan says, if you be the son of God, then I want you to turn the stone into bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. So Jesus was quoting this text over here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. God was saying to the Israelites that he, he put them to a test. They, they entered the wilderness following God. They stayed in the wilderness because of their unbelief. But while they were in the wilderness, God used this as an opportunity to test them, to develop them, to depend totally on on him and his word. In other words, everything the Israelites received in the wilderness, everything came by God's word. It didn't come by human effort. It came by God's word. Their food came by God's word. The water came by God's word. Their clothing was protected by God's word. So everything, they were protected by God's word. They received everything from God. And God will say, do this, and they get water. God will, they ask God for food, and he send birds to, uh, for them to eat. And, and, and he provided manna for them to eat, and he protected them from the heat. By a cloud, God was taking care of his people. Now, listen to this. He was taking care of his people through his word. He will say things to them. They will act out on the word and all their needs would be met. So God wanted them to understand that they didn't live by their efforts, bread alone. They were living by the word. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to live by his word. 
not just by our efforts and all that. He wants us to get in his presence, hear what he has to say, and he'll provide everything that we need. Now notice the fact that they couldn't receive anything apart from God. There was nothing they received apart from God. It humbled them. Now Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, But thou shalt remember the Lord your God, for it is he who giveth you the power to make wealth or to get wealth or the ability to uh, get well. So in this text, we see that God wanted them, if you read the whole chapter, God wanted them to be grateful. Gratefulness, gratefulness is a pathway to humility. Gratefulness. Are you grateful for what God is doing? Do you think you did it? Do you think it was your power? Do you think it was your education? It was your hard work. It was you thought of the idea. You did this. Now, remember, humility is the contrast or the converse of pride. Now, let's look at 2 Chronicles 29, verse 14. 2 Chronicles 29, pardon me, First Chronicles, the first book of Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 14 in the New Living Translation. And David here is praising God. He's a very wealthy man, have given a great offering, and he's praising God. Listen to what he says. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Now, listen to what he says. Who am I? Who are my people that we could give anything to you? Now, listen to what he says. Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. He says everything that we have, that's humility. Everything that we have come from God. We only give God what he first gave us. That's humility. You don't give God anything that he didn't give you first. He gave you the energy. He gave you the ability. He gave you the skill. He gave you the strength to go to work, to, to engage your business, to create profits, to create increase. You didn't do that by yourself. It wasn't. It was, you needed him to help you. David says, everything that we are giving you came first from you. So humble people are great givers. You show me a person that's stingy, a person that's tight, and here, trust me, I'm not trying to get anything. I'm not going to ask you to send anything to me. I'm not going to ask you for an offering or anything. Like, I'm just trying to teach you what the Word says. Humble people are great givers. Show me a person who is tight and stingy and struggle giving. I'll show you a person in pride. It's pride because you think it's yours. You think it's your money. You think I can't give my money to this. That's pride. Now, so gratitude is a pathway to humility, gratitude. The third pathway is submission. Now, this is going to be challenging for some of you. Submission. Now, before we look at our text, 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, 1 Peter 
5, 5 through 7. We're going to look at it in the NIV translation. I want to say this, that submission is a pathway to humility, but submission is an attitude, and it's not the same thing as obedience. So what I'm saying now, don't confuse it with obedience. I'm talking about an attitude. It's an attitude of willingness to yield, willingness to come up under others, willingness, submission. Now, our proof text, 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 in the NIV translation, it says, in this same way, you who are younger, submit, there's that word, yourself to your elders. These were the mature saints in the church. These were leaders in the church. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves, just like you put on clothes today. Clothe yourselves. Nobody put your clothes on for you. You put your own clothes on. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because, listen at this, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. He opposed the proud, and you know, I'm sensing, if the Spirit be willing, that we're going to have to talk about this pride thing. We, the Bible says that God opposed the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Therefore, unto God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, that he may lift you up, that he may lift you, he may lift you up. Tomorrow, no, in due time, in due time, it's going to be right on time. You're, you're not going to be late. He's going to lift you up, and you're not going to be late to the party. Now, anytime you read out a text, I read verses 5 through 7, 1 Peter 5 through 7, but I just kind of took, I want to give you an overview of what God was talking about in verses 1 through 4, 1 Peter verses 1 through 4. He's addressing elders, He's addressing authorities. He's addressing uh, pastors. He's addressing all ministers and those in leadership. So before I get into the submission thing, it's important. Now listen to me carefully. It's important that every leader understand that submission follows leadership. See, the submission is discussed after leadership. And in those verses, one, two, three, four, those four verses, God is dealing with the leader's attitude, he says now, to the elders, the leaders. He says, feed the flock. But he says, do it willingly and not out of constraint. That has to do with our attitude. 
And, 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 and I want you to see this is a principle to all leaders. We have to lead people with the right attitude. And when I talk about leadership now, I'm not just talking about in the church. It will be in the church, whether it be the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, in the church, leadership, delegated authorities, leadership in the church, any person in leadership in the church. But the principle encompasses leaders in the home. The husband is the domestic head of the home. Uh, the parents, the, the mother is an authority, fathers is an authority in their home over those children. So we're talking about leadership in the home, leadership in the church, leadership in the world. If you work on a job and you're a supervisor or a director or whatever you do, or you're a boss, you're a manager, then the principles apply to you. How we lead should be an attitude of willingness. We shouldn't be leading out of grudgingness. If we're going to receive the rewards of humility, then we shouldn't be grudging about it and complaining all the time. Leaders shouldn't be complaining all the time about everything in their leadership. That's not humility. That's pride. So he talks about the attitude. He talks about the motives. Leaders should have the right motive. We're not, he said, don't feed the flock and lead the people for dishonest gain. This, it, don't make it about just what you're getting out of it. That's true in the home. You should be lead, leading your children out of what's best for them, not just what's best for you. You should be parenting them. If you're the domestic head of the house, you're the husband, you should be leading out of what's best for your wife and what's best for that family. It shouldn't be out of selfish motives. If you're a supervisor, you're a boss, a manager in the world, you should be leading out of what's best for those people. Motive is important. Now, I've got to clear, clear the road for submission because sometimes we're struggling with people submitting to us, but we're not responsible and we're not accountable as leaders. We have to be responsible. We have to be accountable as leaders. He, he mentions Memphis there. He said, don't lord it over the people. Don't domineer the people. Don't control the people. That's cross the board. Whether you're in the home leading, whether you're at church leading, whether you're in the world leading, we're not supposed to be controlling people and domineering people. That is a worldly mindset. He tells us that we're to lead at, with example. We're not trying to force people to follow us. We're going to inspire them to follow us. You want to inspire your kids to follow you, inspire your wife to follow you by your example, not by your demands, not by your demands. Uh, you, you are in a position of authority over people in the world, in the church. You want to inspire them by your example to follow you. You're not just demanding you do this and you do that. People resist that kind of that kind of uh, mythology. So he talks about the myth and he talks about stewardship. Remember, you're a steward. 
any position of authority that you have, you are a steward to God. As a husband, you are a steward. As a leader in that family, you are a steward to God. As parents, you are stewards of God. As pastors and apostles and prophets and whoever delegated authority in the church, you don't own these people. You are a steward, a caretaker for God. If you're in the world, God is looking at how you supervise, how you manage, because you are a steward of God. So before we can talk about submission, because submission is a pathway, we had to talk about responsible, accountable leadership. Responsible, accountable leadership. Then he talks about submission, which is an attitude. Submission is a pathway, and there's so many people, they just don't want to listen to anybody or submit to anybody. That When he talks about submission, he's talking about submission to authorities, authorities. Now we're talking about children in the home. We're talking about those under authority in the home. Submission. Submission. We're talking about those that are in the church. Submission. An attitude of willingness to yield. And, and that's the leaders in the church. But it's not just the leaders in the church. It's just those delegated authorities ushers and, and, and ushers in the church. I see people who give ushers a hard time. Now, ushers should lead with responsibility and accountability. Ushers should be flexible. Sometimes people have extenuated circumstances. Ushers should listen. But some people, they just don't care. They don't care. They, 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 they sit where they want to sit. They do what they want to do. They don't want to listen to anybody. And we were talking, uh, I was interviewed. I was interviewed by one of our leaders in our church. They were interviewing me, beautiful leader in our church. And, and, and she was asking me questions about church membership and about the fact that people today don't want to join. Well, much of the time, people don't want to join a church because they don't want to submit to authority. You say, well, that's not true. I don't agree with that. Well, here's the deal. Okay, people got this attitude about it's not necessary to join a church, J-O-I-N, join and go through the process of connecting to that church. Well, I don't believe in that, but that's inconsistent. That's what I was saying on the, on the interview. That's inconsistent. Why are you putting that standard on the church when you don't put it on anyone else? You join everything else. Think about it. People join sports team. And they have to join. They have to sign on the line. They, they have to uh, pay fees sometimes. They join community uh, organizations. They join. They join to participate. They join. People join sororities and fraternities, and they're proud of it. And, and, and you can't just say, well, I just want to participate, but I don't want to join. But you join the sorority. You go through the initiation. You go through the process. Some of you all get beat up going through the process. You go through all kinds of stuff because you want to be a part of that. So why do we put this standard on the church? Oh, I don't feel like you, I need to join. You're joining everything else. 
you are joining everything else and you're paying dues, you're paying fees, you're paying membership thing, you're doing all that. But when it comes to church, we don't want to join church because there's some pride there. There, you have to see that there are some pride issues there. We're supposed to submit. We're on a job. We have a contract. We're supposed to submit to the people. We should be walking around complaining. That, that, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like that. I'm quite sure God's going to really elevate you and promote you with that kind of attitude. It's a willingness. It's a willingness submitting to much. Those that are mature, more spiritual than we are, submitting to others in the body of Christ, other members. Some members have this gift, others have that gift. Some members have this anointing, some members have this grace on their life. And when we see the grace on somebody else, let's not compete. Let's not compete with them. Let's submit to that grace. Let's not try to be what everybody, everybody want to sing. You know, I want to sing. I just think I want to sing. Some people are not grace to sing. You want grace to sing. You want, you, God didn't give you grace to do that, but God gave you grace to do something else. But we won't stop. And, and we got all this stuff that we want but we don't want to submit to the grace that's on people who God has grace to do the job because then it'll come back to us. They'll submit to us because we got grace on our life. Everybody got grace on their lives, but not to do everything. Submit to those that are farther along than you. You're trying to get somewhere, uh, bring yourself under somebody who's been there, done that, somebody who has a proven track record. Bring yourself under. And when you're sitting under somebody and they're farther along than you are, but you're trying to get where they are, don't do all the talking when you got an audience. Don't try to impress them. Be a sponge. Listen to them. Sometimes people be, be talking to people, and they want to be where they are, and they, they spend all the time talking about themselves. No. Shut up. Listen. Learn. Be a sponge. That's a submitted attitude. Now, I'm not talking about obedience to uh, abusive authority. I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even talking, nowhere in the Bible does the Bible tells us to obey abusive authority. But that attitude is so important. What God looks at the attitude. And, and I'm reminded of David. I'm reminded of David and how he dealt with Saul, who was the king, the person in authority. And Saul was out of order. He was an abusive leader. Uh, he was a selfish leader. He was a proud leader. But, but David knew that he had been anointed. And even though Saul tried to destroy him, now listen to this, David did at least three things that we need to do even when you're dealing with abusive authority, David got out of the way. When he threw that thing, that javelin at him, he got out of the way. He hid himself. He, there are times when you have to get out of the way. Sometimes that means moving yourself from somebody else who, you know, if you got an abusive parent or abusive pastor or abusive this or abuse, sometimes you have to move yourself out of their way. Sometimes it means separating yourself from them. But now watch this. David did not 
try to take the leader down. Sometimes we get in a situation, people are out of order over us, but we're going to take them down. Sometimes we want to take them down with our mouth. Sometimes we want to destroy them. We're going to get them back because they're wrong. And we allow someone else's wrong to make us wrong in our heart. But David, thirdly, he trusts God to promote him. He had confidence that God could get the job done. So submission, wow, it is just so, it's so important. I see I got a comment there. Come on, give me your comments. Give me your questions. Listen, submission is important. Now, the fourth, fifth, and sixth pathway, I'm going to use one text to communicate the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth pathway. I got one text from James chapter 4, verse 6 through 10. James chapter 4, verse 6 through 10. I'm going to read the New King James Version. We're talking about the pathway to humility. It begins with knowledge. Gratitude is number two. Submission, number three. Now, Number four, I'm going to give you four, five, and six together, and then I'm going to talk about it. Number four is prayer. Prayer is a pathway to humility. Number five is confession. Confession is a pathway to humility. Number six is repentance. Repentance is a pathway to humility. Now, James chapter four Verses 6 through 10, I'm going to read the verses. Then I'm going to tell you what James was talking about in the previous verses, verse 1 through 5. And then I'm going to talk about prayer, confession, and repentance. And I pray that it bless you. Now, James 4, verse 6 through 10 in the New King James Version, this is what it says. But he, God, gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We see that again, that proud thing, God resists the proud. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Many of you have heard that text before, but I'm going to read it in the context of what he was teaching. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Okay, now let's, let's, let's dig in this for a few minutes. Any questions you have, you can send them to me uh, now. Any comments you want to make, but this is, this is some good stuff. Now, listen to this carefully. Listen at this. Ooh, this is going to be good. In verses 
We're talking about context now. In James 4, verse 1 through 5, we didn't read that those verses. But the context is important. Now listen at this. In those verses, James was talking about strife. He was talking about strife. They were fighting. These church members were fighting and quarreling and at each other's throat. They were divided and, and they were trying to tear each other down. These were church people, saved, spirit-filled people, and it was strife. And then he, he moved from strife to their, their selfishness. He said that you don't have because you don't ask. And then you're asking, but you don't receive because you ask it amiss, that you may consume it on your own love. So he dealt with their selfishness and their motives. They were operating for what's best for me. What's best for me? What about me? You hurt me. You did this to me. Me, me, me. And then he was talking about their motives. He said, you're trying to get stuff. You're trying to get what we talked about, riches, honor, and life, but you, you, you're doing it the wrong way. You, you, your motives are wrong. Your, 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 your motives are proceeding out of the wrong spirit. And then he, he talked about your worldliness. And he said, now you, you are adulterers. Now, he was talking about church people. And he wasn't necessarily talking about sexual, romantic adultery. He was talking about they were flirting with the world. They wanted to be just like the world. They wanted to impress the world. They wanted to look at me, look at me, you know, just like the world. They were no different. When you looked at the church, you looked at these Christians, they they didn't look any different than unsaved people. And he was saying, you're an adulterer. You flirt with the world. You want to be like the world. And, and, and then he's, he, he talks about uh, in, in verse 6 uh, through 10, he says, but he'll give you more grace. He said, God will give you grace so you can live the saved life. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the grace. You don't have to take care of yourself. You don't have to be fighting folk for position and titles and respect. You're going to respect me and all. He said, God, he'll give you more grace. Ask him. He'll give you grace so that you can, can love people, so that you can forgive people. He'll give you grace so that you can trust him. He'll give you the grace, he says, but God resists the proud now. He says that if you're going to handle it yourself, you're going to handle a situation on your own. I see I see uh, a comment here. You go, you're going to handle a situation on your own. He said, now nah, I'm just going to stand up against you. Uh, not only I'm not going to uh, 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 give you what you're trying to get, I'm going to stand against what you're trying to get. The Bible says he resists the proud. But then he says, therefore, submit to God, submit to God, submit to his way of doing things. Don't just do it the world's way. Submit to what the Bible says. And then he says, resist the devil. Now, we know we can use that in a general text. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But in the context now, he's talking about resisting the, the, the pride of the devil. Because, see, de the devil fell out of pride. He's the originator of pride. It was the first sin, pride. He said, resist the devil. Resist that pride. And then it'll flee from you. He'll flee from you. Now watch this. 
Then he says, in, in the next verse, he said, draw not to God. We get into prayer. Draw not to God, and he'll draw not to you. Now, let's talk about prayer. Draw not to God, and he'll draw not to you. Draw not to God. He'll draw not to you. Draw not to God. Now, what he's talking about, he's talking about prayer. But now watch this. He's not talking about just praying to, to get things. There is a time to pray for things. The Bible said, whatsoever things you desire. So there's nothing wrong with that. But what he's talking about here. He's not talking about drawing nigh to God to get things. He's talking about drawing nigh to God for intimacy with him. Intimacy. Okay, so all of your time, your prayer time, shouldn't be about praying for things. Some of it. I pray about things. I pray about my house. I pray about my cause. I pray about this. Pray about my job. Pray about my work. Yeah, it's all right. But that shouldn't predominate your whole prayer time. There are times when you should be drawn out of God to be close to him. You want to be intimate with him. God, I just want to be close to you. I don't feel I'm as close to you as I, I need to be. I want you to help me get close to you. I want you to give me grace, Lord, so I can fight off these distractions so I can spend time with you because I really want to spend time with you. See, that's what he's talking about. He says, now, if you will draw near to him for intimacy, intimacy, not things, intimacy. He said, God, I draw not to you. In other words, he'll reveal his secrets. He'll show you things. He'll get close to you. Now watch this. And then in intimacy, he'll expose you to you. Wow. In intimacy, he'll do what? He'll expose you to you because see you're praying, God, I wanna, I wanna be close to you. I wanna be intimate with you. I, I wanna know you better. I, I, I wanna know your ways better. I, I wanna know how you think and how you feel. And I just wanna spend time with you. I don't want anything now. I'm not asking you for things now. I just wanna spend time in your presence. Now watch this. When you get in your presence, he's gonna start exposing things in your life, your actions, and your motives that block that intimacy. See, you're praying for intimacy. So he's going to start exposing things that hinders that intimacy. Now, that gets down. We move from prayer for intimacy to confession, to confession, to confession. Because the text says, draw near to God, he draws near to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands, cleanse your hands, you sinners. And he's not talking, he's not talking about you as a positional sinner. He's talking about your actions. See, sometimes our actions are selfish. And our selfish actions block that intimacy. So, see, when you get close to him and you start loving on him just for him, he's going to show you things because he want to be close to you. He's going to show you actions that originate in selfishness. 
He's going to show you, you, you shouldn't have done that. You, you shouldn't have said it that way. You, you, you need to stop doing that. You, you need, that's how he's going to talk to you. The Spirit of God is going to start talking to you. But he's not reprimanding you to, to put you down. He's showing you things in your actions, cleanse your hands, showing you things that hinder him being close to you. He want to be close to you. So he said, cleanse your hands. He's exposing action. Then he says, purify your hearts. Then he start exposing motives. You know, you know why you wanted that, right? Don't you know why you wanted that? That's, that's what he did in, in my motives. Years ago, many years ago, I was praying for the church to grow and praying for that. And then he started exposing my motives that it was motivated out of pride. You want to be a big shot. That's what you want to be. You want to be a big shot. You want people to be looking up to you, you know, and he began to expose my motives. He was, he was showing me that I wanted the right thing, but I was wrong, wanted for the wrong reason. See, it was about me and me being big, not about blessing people, helping people. It was about me. He was exposed, and that's what he'll do with you. He'll show you things in, in your intent, your motives. You said, no, I'm not, that's not, that's not. And he's very gentle. The Holy Spirit is very gentle. I mean, you, you come out of that thing feeling like he loves me. He'll correct you, but he, he correct you so sweet that, that you want to do it, okay? So th that's, it brings confession. Confession simply means to agree with God. So I agree with you, God. I say, yeah, God, you're right. I don't love these people. You're right, God. Help me to love these people. See, confession is agreement. And then that leads to repentance. Repentance. God, burn, burn, burn that big shot out of me. God, help me to love people. Help me to really love them. Repentance, that's to change your mind. Change your mind from this selfish pride, changing your mind. And it, it involves some mourning. That's what he's talking about. He said, don't, don't take this lightly. Don't take the world in this lightly. And, and you see Christians, they on Facebook. They on Facebook. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and all these platforms, and they celebrating. They telling everybody, "I'm just like you, world. I do everything you do, world, and I want you to be impressed with me." And they celebrate. They put it all out there for everybody to see their worldliness. And God said, "Repent." He says, "Mourn." He said, "You shouldn't be happy trying to impress worldly people." It's not impressing God when you make everybody feel like, I'm just one of you. I'm just a gang. That's what we're saying on Facebook. I'm just a gang. I'm just like you. Look at what I got. Look what we doing. Listen, God said, that's nothing to be excited about. It's nothing to be happy about it, that you're letting everybody know you just like the world. You're not supposed to be just like, we're not supposed to be just like the world. We're not supposed to be just like the world. He said, you should be ashamed of some of the stuff you're showing people on Facebook. You should be ashamed of it. He said, mourn there. He said, mourn. He said, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. He said, armor yourself in the sight of God. He said, God, I'm everywhere. I'm right there with you. You're not doing something I don't see. Why are you trying to impress the world so that they'll promote you and say good things about you? No, repentance means I change my mind. 
I trust God to promote me. I resist any pride. I'm not going to try to manipulate and exploit people to be impressed with me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to make people be impressed with me. And that's a lot of things we're doing. We're trying to make people be impressed with us. So we're showing all our connection to the world, all our connection to the world. We're just like you, just like you, just like you. We should repent. That's the repent, repent. That's number six. And then number seven is choice. That's your will. All through 1 Peter 5, James 4, uh, humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself. That's not God, that's you humbling yourself. In other words, there's a choice. Jesus says in Luke 14, 11, whoever exalts himself will be humble. Who humbles himself would be exalted. You are responsible for your humility. It's a choice. It has to be a desire. You got a desire. You, you pray for grace to be humble. You practice it. Whenever your ego rises, you say no. Uh, intentionality, you choose. Uh, your, you want your actions to glorify God. You want, your, you want to serve people, not for you, not to get some from them. You want to serve them with the right motive. You want your words and your thoughts and your actions, you want it to glorify God. You want it to bring honor to God. You're not trying to impress the world. You want to recognize the contributions of others. When, when you're successful, don't just talk about you and your thoughts and your ideas. Talk about the people who helped you, the people who supported you, the people who, who sacrificed for you. Humility. Resist the temptation to manipulate people. Stop manipulating people. Don't try to manipulate them. You trust God to promote you. God gonna, you're going to do it the right way with the right motive, and you're going to trust God to promote you. And you're not going to get angry at folk because they didn't call your name. You're not going to get angry at folk because you're looking to God. You're not going to be bitter. You're going to quickly forgive people when they're wrong. You're going to forgive them because you're looking to God. You don't believe anybody can stop you, so you're not going to walk around talking about what they did to me. They did this to me. They stopped me. They did. No, 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 no. He'll exalt you. He will exalt you. He will exalt you. And it requires humility sometimes to shut your mouth and not talk about what people did. It requires a lot of humility because we want to defend ourselves. We want to tell everybody. Take some humility. I forgive them. I'm trusting you to lead me where I should go. I'm trusting you to help me make the right decision. And I'm trusting you to promote me. You gave me this gift. You gave me this ability, and I don't believe anybody can stop it. So I'm believing you. You'll move me if you need to move me and get me to the place where I can release my gift, but I'm trusting you. I'm not trusting man, and I'm not going to be bitter, angry, or mad at folk because of what they did because I'm not looking to them. We're not looking to them, and we're not trying to impress them either. We want to impress him. We want to impress God. Wow, I got kind of I got kind of into this today. And remember, I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to prepare you. The next move of God will be in the area of character. So everything I'm doing now is to help develop you in character. I got some comments and a couple of questions. I went over a little bit, but I want to answer your questions. 
comment. This teaching is helping our mindset, Pastor. Thank you. I'm glad. That's what I'm shooting for, to help your mindset. Comment, Pastor. This is not milk. This is meat. Praise the Lord. We need some meat sometime. We need some meat sometime. Comment, Pastor. I'm grading myself one to ten. I'm a five. There's a lot of work to do, but grace. Yes, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm grading myself. Nobody should, should grade you. I'm grading myself, and I'm a five. But there's grace. Thank God you got it. Listen, grace can take you all the way up to a 10. Grace can take you all the way up to the 10. You need his ability, his grace to help you to walk this out. You can't walk it out. There's a natural tendency toward pride. There's a natural tendency toward self and taking care of self and protecting self and, and all that. There's a natural tendency. So it takes grace for us to go the other direction. It takes grace for us to self-evaluate and say, I'm a five. Pride says, oh, I'm a 10. I, you know, I'm a 10. No. Humility says, I'm a five. But thank God for grace. I'm going to work on them. Keep working on that beautiful question. How can you distinguish between genuine humility and false humility? Well, that's a great question. False humility is when you put yourself down. Now, here's what I mean by that. You, you people say things like, oh, I'm nobody. None of us are anybody. Well, that's not what the scripture says. See, false humility is, it, humility is evaluating in the light of what God says about you. If God says you're more than a conqueror, you say that. If God says you're a world overcomer, you say that. Some people say, well, you know, I'm just I'm just a little sinner saved by grace. That, that sounds like humility, but it's not because you were a sinner and you were saved. When James was talking about it, he wasn't talking about their position when he said sinners. He was talking about their actions. But sometimes people are trying to impress people with their humility. And humility is really never trying to impress people. So false humility, I want you to think I'm humble. Oh, it, it, it wasn't me. It just, it was the one, you know. And, and so false humility is where you are not lining yourself up with what God says. That's a great question. Is humility the same as being a doormat? Absolutely not. And I covered that in, in lesson one. Jesus was the most humble, humble person who walked the planet of the earth. And you can't find anywhere where he was a doormat. You can't find anybody just walking on him. But yet he didn't, he didn't just use his authority and power to get people, get back at people. He didn't, he didn't do that. And sometimes we'll use our authority and power to get back at people because we don't think that they supported us or helped us or even did something against us. So we use our power and our authority and our pulpit and all this to get back at people. That's why we spend all this time talking about people in the pulpit when we should be just teaching the word. So spend time teaching the word. But a lot of time we spend time defending ourselves, talking about ourselves. They treat me this way. They treat me that way. And so a lot of time that defense is evidence of pride. Well, praise the Lord. 
I, I trust you got some out of this. We're going to come back next week. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to teach, but we're going to teach something. But it's going to be character building because the next move of God is going to be in the area of character. Thank you for your support. Thank you. Share this. Share this with somebody else. I believe it would be a blessing for them. Amen. 